Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Tonight on Piers Morgan, our sense Ronaldo is out after setting the record straight on Manchester United. Tonight, I'll set the record straight on the interview that's rocked the sporting world. There's reaction from Graham Souness and David Seaman, Arsenal God, of course, and it's all live. Republicans rushed to Ron DeSantis after their meltdown in the midterms. Is Donald Trump now too toxic to run again? Asked one of his top advisors. An Oscar-winning actor Cuba Gooding Jr.'s career is in ruins after admitting groping a woman. Now he wants a second chance. I've interviewed him exclusively. But is there any road to redemption for the Me Too men? Superstar feminist lawyer Gloria Allred will join me live to debate that. Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, it's not been a quiet few days, has it? The goat has bolted. Cristiano Ronaldo out at Old Trafford after using his bombshell interview with me on this show to set the record straight about what was going on at the club and his concerns. Well, tonight I'm going to set the record straight myself on Cristiano Ronaldo and on that interview because one week on is still making global headlines. Breaking news, Cristiano Ronaldo's time at Old Trafford officially over. Manchester United saying that they have mutually parted ways effective immediately. All of this stems from that explosive interview with Piers Morgan. Cristiano Ronaldo has left Manchester United with immediate effect. It follows a TV interview with Piers Morgan where he claimed he felt disrespected. And then that explosive interview that he had with Piers Morgan uh, saying those uh, very hurtful things about Manchester United. And after an explosive interview with Piers Morgan, the writing seemed to be on the wall. Like I said, it was explosive. Well, this show's been at the centre of a true global story. And that story really is only just beginning because minutes after Ronaldo confirmed he'd leave United by mutual consent, the Glazer family who own the club, confirmed they're looking to sell. The American family bought Manchester United for $1.3 billion in 2005. Now they may get four times that amount. And if that sounds like good business, well, it is for them. But that's precisely why United fans have such a problem with the Glazers, who loaded United with debt and presided over a steady but massive decline on the pitch. They seem more concerned about selling shirts and shares than winning trophies, the opposite of what English football should be about. This is what Ronaldo himself said to me about the Glazers. The owners of the club, they listen, they don't The Glazers. The Glazers, they don't they don't care about about the club. I mean professional uh, sport. 
as you know, this Manchester is a marketing club. They will get his money from the marketing. The sports, it's they, they don't really care, in my opinion. The fans, they're always right. I think the fans should know the truth, should know that the players, we want the best for the club. So did Ronaldo's condemnation of the Glazers force the issue after years of protest by supporters? You can judge that for yourself. When the biggest superstar in the club's history calls out mismanagement at the very top, how could their position be tenable? Supporters and club legends like Roy Keane and Gary Neville have also slammed the Glazers. Neville even called on Ronaldo to use his status to put them under pressure. Stand up now and speak, he wrote this summer. The club is in crisis. It needs its leaders to lead. Ronaldo is the only one who can grab the situation by the scruff of the neck, exclamation mark. So Ronaldo did speak out. And the same Gary Neville said he should be sacked. I don't know what's going on, but since, since the, um, Sir Alex Ferguson left, I saw not evolution in the club. The progress was zero. Nothing changed. Surprisingly, not only the pool, the jacuzzi, even the gym. Even some points, the technology, the kitchen, the chefs, which is I appreciate, lovely, lovely persons, they stop in a, in a time. We see many things that I'm used to see when I was 20, 21, 23, so surprised me a lot. Well, 13 years after his spectacular first spell at United, Ronaldo returned to find a club that had only gone backwards in his view, and that's the real reason he wanted to do this interview in the first place. He just had enough. And he felt he wasn't getting the respect that his extraordinary career deserved, and nor were the fans getting what they deserve for supporting United week in, week out. Last season, Ronaldo scored 24 goals for a team in total turmoil. One Premier League goal more than Harry Kane, England's captain, who is considered one of the top strikers in the world right now. But still, they blamed Ronaldo. His own coach, Eric Ten Hag, disrespected him repeatedly in public. Journalists cashed in on his status... For clickbait, many of the stories completely untrue. Ronaldo soaked all this up for a long time, even though many of the stories about him were false and hurtful. None more so than the lie that he skipped pre-season training to force a transfer when, in fact, his baby daughter was sick in hospital just months after her twin brother had tragically died. Ronaldo told me the executives at the club didn't even believe him. No wonder he felt very little loyalty to them in return. Well, now this chapter in his record-breaking career is over. Many people have accused me of using Ronaldo, speculating that he must surely regret ever sitting down with me. In fact, the opposite is true. He's very happy with everything about the interview. He said what he wanted to say, and he spoke because he wanted to speak. He texted me repeatedly this week. All good, as we said on Friday, when it finally all aired, as he's in Doha now in Qatar to Captain Portugal at the World Cup. The future is great, he says, and I reckon for him it probably will be, even at 37. He's a megastar, the biggest icon in football history, with half a billion Instagram followers. Put that in context, 130 million more than his nearest rival, Lionel Messi, his rival for everything. Ronaldo's a merchandising monster, will make a fortune for whichever club he signs for. And he's still a goal machine, too. You don't go from scoring 24 goals last season to a terrible striker in four or five months. There's been a lot of knee-jerk reaction from some United fans, claiming he's trashed his legacy at the club. Really? Literally one of the greatest to ever, ever put on a United shirt. You were lucky to have him, lucky to watch him. Show him a bit more respect. Ronaldo won't take a penny to leave. He's foregone 
any of his remaining £17 million left on his deal. All he wants is his freedom and to go and try his luck somewhere else where he hopes he'll be given more respect. And if his legacy is ultimately to get rid of the Glazers from Manchester United in his football, all those people criticising him now will probably be cheering him and saying, thank you, Cristiano. And on the football uh, subject of football and thanks, my sincere thanks also go to the first team that manages to get through a day of this tournament without a pathetic piece of virtue signalling. Today, it was the Germans. You might have been following this increasingly ludicrous debate over whether people should wear armbands to show their support for the LGBT community. Full disclosure, I'm completely supportive of all LGBTQ rights. Always have been. But I never understood this whole thing about the armband. I want players to play football at the World Cup, not virtue signal. And it's all gone exactly how I predicted, which is that actually when they were threatened for the first time with a booking, which is someone waving a yellow card at them, they've all capitulated. The German team today did this. I mean, really? This is to send a point to FIFA that they've been silenced, they've been gagged, they can't wear their armbands. Oh, get over yourselves. It's honestly embarrassing. England have been embarrassing about this. The captain, Harry Kane, was going to wear his armband, show his great support for the community. OK, we'll do it then. Wear your armband. Don't then bottle it, because you might get a yellow card. If any player right now at the World Cup wears one of these armbands, which I don't think they should be doing anyway, because I don't think it'll achieve anything, any one of them did it right now and got a booking, they'd be global heroes, probably get a knighthood. But none of them have got the balls. Listen to Ray Winston, one of my favourite actors, about what he said about this today. <sighs> Harry, you can't let them tell you what to do. <laughs> Where the armband, they're going to book you. If they book you, <laughs> they'll probably send you off. And if they do, <laughs> again. Where the exactly. Can you imagine if Harry Kane got sent off for wearing an armband supporting One Love? All hell would break loose. And not at him. He'd be a hero around the world. So then bottle it, honestly. Embarrassing for Harry, for England, for the FA, and for the Germans to do what they did today. And I keep thinking, if you don't focus on the football, you know what happens? Germany got beaten by Japan. That's what happens when you're more worried about shh than you are about stopping goals flying in the back of your net. Well, fortunately... I have in my company someone who knows all about balls flying in the back of the net because he stopped most of them. He stopped most of them ever doing it. The greatest goalkeeper to ever grace the game of football in the world, bar none. Arsenal legend, England legend, David Safehand Seaman. What an honour to have the great man with me. David, welcome to you. And from uh, uh, Qatar, Liverpool, former Liverpool manager, of course, Graham Souness. And a presenter from the United Stand podcast, Adam Stott, who already looks like he's throwing daggers at me. It's going to be a lively encounter with him about what he thinks has happened to his club following this uh, Ronaldo interview. Can I get him to thank Cristiano by the end for getting rid of the Glazers? It'll be a tough gig, but we'll see how we get on. Um, let me start with you, uh, David. I don't want to talk about armbands. I'm right. done with armbands. Yeah. Uh, I've said my bit about that. I want to talk to you about Cristiano Ronaldo because it is the dominant story 
in world sport. It's a dominant... Sorry. It's a dominant... Thank you. See, you, you, you see? Got... Immediately! <laughs> he immediately catches it. Do you see the way he swoops? It was you that dropped This it. is why these legends never lose it. Unbelievable. I just tested him. Look at that. The way he swept and put it back on. That's why he's good safe hands. Um, it's interesting. You play with some great players. Yeah. You know, from Dennis Bergkamp to others. What, let's start from the interview itself. If you've been in a dressing room, one of the top players, Thierry Omri, Dennis Bergkamp, Tony Adams, if one of them had come out and done this, an interview like this, what would your reaction have been? I, I would be... I, I would applaud him because he's obviously... He's talking the truth and it's not... the, the stuff. A lot of the stuff that he came out with wasn't stuff that we haven't heard. Yeah. You know, we've heard a lot of other experienced players moaning and criticising Man United for for the way that the ground is, the way that the training... That, it was really interesting when he said about the, the training ground. I was really... I, I couldn't believe it, that mm. the, the training ground at Carrington was the same as when he left, what was it, 15 or so mm. years ago. Um, that really shocked me. Because, um, you know, at Arsenal, I go in there every week now and, and I see the improvement that they've done. You know, they've had an £18 million refund. And he and was stuff. comparing it to what he experienced at Real Madrid and Juventus. Exactly, yeah. Where he said they would evolve all the time. Mm. Constant new technology, new diet, new nutrition. He wasn't having a pop at the chefs at United. He was having yeah. a pop at the food they were all preparing. He couldn't believe that they were just having the same stuff they were given 12 years before. Yeah, and, that, and like I said, that, that shocked me and that, that shouldn't be happening. And it, like you say, he's, he's been all around the world and seen how everywhere's progressed. And then he comes back to his beloved Man United and nothing's changed. He has no regrets whatsoever about doing the interview. Yeah. I mean, I've spoken to him throughout the week. He's absolutely happy. He's glad he's got his freedom. He's glad it's over. Albeit, he still loves Manchester United as yeah. a club and he loves the fans. And he doesn't want any ongoing issue with them. And I suspect they'll calm down over time. As they did when Roy Keane did the same thing yeah. on Man United TV. But should he have done the interview, do you think? I, I, I would say, yeah, because he put his side over. Mm. You know, there was a lot of stuff in the interview that I saw that I didn't know about. I didn't know about the way that he was being treated, you know, the stuff that was going on with Ten Hag. You know, the fact that, you know, he... You know, take, for instance, the substitution when he refused to go on. Mm. You know, as, as a footballer, he should never do that. Mm. You know, you've got, you've got to, like, say... Okay, and he admitted that he admitted but that. But he had reason the week before. Yeah. You know, where he, he was told, that I'm not putting you on because I respect you too yeah. much. Yeah, so the next week, he's thinking, well, he no longer respects me. Otherwise, yeah. why would he want me to come on? I want to play a clip before we go to Graham Souness. And this is of Roy Keane today. It was the first time he's had a chance to address Ronaldo leaving United. Listen to what he said. Obviously, the uh, the interview was a tipping point for him, but uh, that's it. You know, life goes on. Man United, a great club. Ronaldo's a great player. As you said, it's like a divorce. It's like the end of a relationship. We all know how that feels. And you go your separate ways. Life goes on. Great, great player for Man United. Should have probably left in the summer. Yeah. But that's the player's fault or the club's. It was never going to happen. The new manager was never going to play him. You cannot have Ronaldo as a suburb fringe player. He's just... It's just not right. It's just not right. Um, and it's, 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 it's sad, but these things happen. Graham Souness, uh, thank you very much indeed for, for joining me again. Obviously, this is a fast-moving story and things have moved on again from when we last spoke. Ronaldo's now gone. Glazers may be selling up. Pretty tumultuous stuff over at United. But when you listen to what Roy Keane said there, I, I mean, that to me... What I think he he's say? right about, you know, this stuff happens Pierce, and it's what, time to move on. What, what did he say, Pierce? Well, I, Pierce, what say? Are you saying you sat on the fence a bit? <laughs> yeah, I think which is very unusual for Roy. 
Yeah. He sat there and, and, and said that he's a great player, he's been a great servant, and um, not a lot else. He did go on to say that he felt that he'd been mismanaged, Ronaldo, which is kind of what you've said as well about this. Now well, it's I, all... I, I, would I, would I, would I would certainly agree with that. My, my take is the same. Take on it is the exact same as when we spoke before, when I was on your show. I think um, the two of them got together when Ronaldo stated he wanted to leave in the summer. The two of them go in a room, him and the manager. They come out of that room, two people leave the room, and two of them are satisfied with what they've agreed. They lose to Brighton, they lose to Brentford, and all of a sudden it's chaos at Man United. I think the manager panicked, his coaching staff panicked. Um, we need not so much a victim, but we need to analyse where we're going wrong, and I think they've come up with the wrong analysis. I think they've looked at, we can't press with Ronaldo and our team. Now, my take on it as a football person, I don't believe Ronaldo, even at 37, I don't think Man United can be doing without Ronaldo at this time in their development, mm -hmm. where they want to be. I think it's been a, a, an enormous case of, of mismanagement. I think it's an enormous case of lack of speaking to each other, communication. If the manager and the staff have decided after two games, because they've lost two games, we're going to go a different route after having agreed with Ronaldo before any games are played, they had to communicate that to Ronaldo. Because what happened after that, which you've, you've touched on already, they don't bring him on against Man City, they ask him to go on against Tottenham. A week after that, or 10 days after that, they ask him to be captain. They are really mixed messages for a player to accept. Yeah. And when the word dis disrespect was used by Ronaldo, I think that's saying that someone has gone back on their words. Mm. And uh, who can it be? It can only be the, the Man United manager. Right. He has changed whatever he said before a ball was kicked to where he got to the situation where he came out and made his statement with you, disrespect, I think someone's not, someone's changed their minds on it. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, let's go to Adam Stott, uh, presenter of the United States. And, and I think that's where the anger comes from. Right. Pierce, I have to say that I think the stuff about swimming pools and kitchen, mm. that really doesn't come into the argument why he's leaving Man United. He's leaving Man United because he still feels he's a football nut. We know that. Yeah. Look at him, he's a specimen. There is not out there, and I've said this again, there's out there, there is not a better example you could have in your dressing room. Surely you want to keep that. Man United are a country mile away from where they need to be. As a, you know, the, the great football club that they are. They ain't going to be winning the European, the Champions League anytime soon. They will not be winning the Premier League anytime soon. Ronaldo is a role model. You'd have to explain this to him. I want you here because this, that and that. Him as a role model, you could not name me a better one in the history of football. Right. Not in this generation, in the history of football. Yeah. They for me, I would have fought to keep him. I would have pleaded with him to stay because I need you. If you're a young fellow in that dressing room, prior to Ronaldo turning up, who do you look at in the dressing room and say, in 10 years' time, I want to be like him? Mm. So Ronaldo turns up, everyone in the dressing room says, in 10 years' time, I want to be like him. I think it's a, I think it's a mistake in letting him go. But time will tell. Interesting stuff, uh, Graham. Thank you. Let's go to Adam Stott. Well, Adam, look, don't listen to what I have to say about this. I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't really care how tumultuous things get at United. Uh, but I'm also an interviewer. And I sat with Ronaldo and he gave me his side. In his eyes, he was correcting a lot of untruths that had been said about him. So it was more a riposte, if you like, a rebuttal of a lot of things. Um, as a United fan, what's your feeling about all this? Yeah, I mean, I look at him, um, listening to what Graham said there at the start of the season, and Ronaldo, in your interview, Piers, 
went on about the start of the season. No pre-season was why, and he understood why he didn't start the season. But in the Brighton game, he played 37 minutes. The Brentford game, he played the full 90. We lost both of them games. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. We just went back to basics. Ten Hag went to the training ground and thought up a different plan. Ronaldo didn't start the next four games. The next four games, Manchester United won and turned their season around. A manager has to make a decision for the better of the team. And if that doesn't involve Cristiano Ronaldo at that time, then that's down on the manager. And it worked for the manager. People were being over the top with Ten Hag's team selection for the Liverpool game. I remember talking to Graeme Souness just on the eve of that game with the protests. And Graeme Souness thought that the protest would be a hindrance on Manchester United going into that game. It didn't. It, the crowd came together and they got behind the team. And that team didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo in it. The fans got behind whoever was on that pitch that wanted to give it 100%. And there is a general consensus within the United fan base. Ronaldo hasn't been giving that 100%. Whether that be for his opinion on how he's been treated... The fans are seeing what's going on on the pitch more. We don't see everything on behind the scenes, obviously, but what counts is what happens on the pitch. And he hasn't been performing this season in particular. And the, the team is playing better without Ronaldo. And you say that, look, I'm in a blissful position of Arsenal being top of the league by five points and, and 11 points clear of United. Yep. You've got to go to the playoffs now against Barcelona. We beat you without Ronaldo. Right, you've got to get to the playoffs yeah. against Barcelona yeah. and the Europa League which you may lose. Um, I'm not quite sure this constitutes a great yep. revolution so far. Ten Hag is completely unproven outside of Holland. And I, my, the point that Graham made, which really resonated with me, and I think I know the answer, is that if you're in that dressing room, why wouldn't you see him as the greatest role model has ever been? Actually, one of the big, big concerns Ronaldo had was, unlike him, when he walked into that dressing room as an 18-year-old and saw Scholes and Giggs and Keane and Ferdinand and wanted to soak all he could offer them in terms of experience and expertise. A lot of these young United players earn too much money and don't care and didn't really want to do that with him. I found that staggering. Yeah, no, I can understand that side of it. And when Ronaldo did that interview, one of the many few he did last season, saying that the younger player didn't want to take his advice, I was fully on board with that. The problem that we've had with Ronaldo is the fact we didn't think he should have done the interview with yourself, Pierce, in the way it was. He was under contract at Manchester United. He talked about the times have changed since Sir Alex Ferguson left the football club. I guarantee he wouldn't have done this interview with yourself if Sir Alex Ferguson was still manager of the football club. It's, the, it's what we've seen as like going behind the manager's back. The fans support the manager. We support the manager. He's the biggest man at this football club. Famous words that came out of Sir Alex Ferguson's mouth. And that's who the fans will be behind. If well, Ronaldo is upset and not about, about yeah, not being in the you're team... Gonna, you'll support him until you get rid of him, like the last few you've had. I mean, let's be honest, every manager since Ferguson has had your universal support, United fans, right to the point they've been slung out. That's been part of the problem. Um, but look, uh, yeah. Graham, you've been shaking your I head mean, listening to some of this. Do you want to re respond? No, no, I... I sorry, what's, this, what, what's the chap called? The United uh, Adam Scott. Hi, Adam. Adam, I think you know what what you, what you said. A lot I of know. it is correct. It's a manager. It's a manager's decision to to go down a different route if he feels his his team are not at it. Or it's not working his game plan. But where I'm coming from, I think he has to communicate that to Ronaldo. Listen, we had that conversation. I think that's the word disrespect sticks in my head. Yeah. That's saying someone by deed or words is not carried carried through on what they're either going to do or say. And I think they had an agreement 
two games later, the manager's changed and gone down a different route. That, that is a manager's prerogative. But I think at that time, it's not been, from the outside looking in, I don't know anything, that's not been communicated to Ronaldo because if it had been communicated to Ronaldo, I don't think the word disrespect would come out. And I, and I, and I, and I think you said you turned the season round. I think turned it round from the first two games that you lost, mm. picked up a few points. But I, I've been in dressing rooms. I, I, I constantly see on, on, when I'm on television that you cannot be successful as a manager stroke coach unless you've got good senior pros. That is a fact of life as I see it. And I think it has borne out if you look at the clubs that have been successful. You look at your club over the years, he's a perfect example. Yeah. He keeps Gary Neville a couple of years. I'm going to go and have dinner with him after this. <laughs> He'll be upset. He kept Gary Neville maybe two years, long, two years longer than he should have done. Paul Scholes left and brought him back. He kept Ryan Giggs on until he was about 35, 36 because he had good senior pros who made mm. sure people turned up on time, trained properly. They were at it every day in training and their attitude to games when it mattered. You need good senior pros. And I come back to it, you could not get a better example of a good senior pro than Ronaldo. Yeah. And also, when, when, when he was sent to train with the kids, the word is he was nigh on perfect the way yeah. he trained with the kids. I heard that. So I, I come back to it, you cannot have a, enough good senior pros. Graham, I've got to, I've got to leave it there. Uh, Adam, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate it. Uh, final word uh, to you, David. Um, Last night, I was sitting next to you when news broke that Ronaldo was now available. Yep. And your immediate <laughs> reaction was, well, we should take him at Arsenal for the yeah, rest of the season. Totally. I was like, we'd have him, and we both agreed. I totally agree. You know, I even, like, listen to Graham there. You yeah. know, he's talking about Ronaldo is not, he's not done. Mm. He's, he's far from done. You know, and we actually need a good natural predatory yeah, goal He'd be scorer, perfect right? for Arsenal, you know, and, and he'd, be, he'd be perfect to a lot of other clubs. Yes. You know, where he gets the respect. Yeah, you, know, you never heard any players moaning about Sir Alex Ferguson no. about a lack of respect. No, absolutely right. Uh, we're going to leave you, David Seaman, with a replay of your brilliant <laughs> save of my pen. Let's have a look at this. <laughs> sport. It's a dumb, sorry. It's a dumb. Okay. <laughs> instant, instant. I mean, it was so fast. Clean catch, clean catch. <laughs> David, great to see you. Pleasure, really appreciate you coming here, mate. Uh, a real honour to have you. Well, next tonight, is it time for Republicans to dump Donald Trump in America? Or are we mad to bet against him? Because we did that last time and you know how that worked. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Well, it was a speech that the growing number of Republicans hoped he wouldn't make, Donald Trump confirming he will now run for president again in 2024, even after many of his anointed candidates flopped in the midterm elections. Does he have any conceivable road back to the White House? Well, joining me now is Trump's former senior advisor, Jason Miller, former Conservative MP, Lord Jeffrey Archer, and Conservative commentator Anne Coulter. A wonderful trio. Trio. We're going to go to Lord Archer first. Um, Lord Archer, you're a, a, a connoisseur of American politics. What do you make of what's going on there? Well, it's fascinating. In fact, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. And the comment you made before we came into this section is don't write the man off. One has to remember uh, when he stood for president for the first time, he was in a debate with Jed Bush, among others. 
And everybody said Bush was going to win easily. He was the most impressive of the Bushes. He had all the money. He was governor of California. How could he lose? And Bush stole the day. So my own view is Trump, we have Trump to stole wait the until, we, until we see who the candidates are. And my bet is if Bush will be there, I'm sorry, Trump will be there. Of course he will. But when he gets up on that stage, beware. He's quite capable of beating everybody in sight. And yeah. anyone who underestimates him will be a fool. I think that's absolutely right. Jason Miller, I mean, you know Donald Trump very well. You still speak to him on a regular basis. The unpredictable element of Donald Trump is that he's a ferociously good campaigner, no question. And the way he saw off all those other candidates on the Republican nomination ticket back in 2015-16 was unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go to his speech that he gave last week, his announcement mm. speech, it was, I think, this surprised a lot of people that it was forward-looking. We didn't have any of the election grievances. There was a much more outsider populist angle to it. I think you're going to see his messaging is very much more the 2015, 2016 Donald Trump as opposed to 2020. How will he get around the reality that a lot of his big tips for the midterm elections lost? And the, the unifying factor in most of them was that they buy into this idea that he had the 2020 election stolen. When I interviewed him, and it was actually a great interview with some fractious moments back in April, but when I did, I kept saying to him, if you keep looking back at 2020, I think you're going to stop yourself being able to win again. And he's ignored me, but all the candidates that backed what the Democrats call the big lie about the stolen election, most of them lost. Well, you had a mixed bag. You had some Trump-backed candidates who won, some that lost, some that weren't Trump-backed Some of them really high-profile ones lost. Some of them, but also keep in mind, when you look at some of the swing states, Arizona, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. Georgia, they're very much uh, just on the, the head of the needle here. And the general election polling right now has Trump ahead of Biden in those three states tied in Pennsylvania. So I think part of the reason on that is because Trump isn't viewed as the politician, mm -hmm. only person to carry the banner twice in the general election, but then not be viewed as a politician because mm -hmm. he's the out that's kind of his his mojo, his sweet spot. And as long as he can do that and stay forward-looking, the economy in the U.S. has gotten terrible. Well, that's, inflation, I think that's definitely, there's no question about that. And that's going to open up, that gives him the entree. Americans were told two years ago, if we simply restore some sensibilities back to the White House, be nice to people, no more mm -hmm. mean tweets, everything's going to be fine. Well, U.S. has gone to hell in a handbasket. It's okay, not good. Let me go to Ann Coulter. I mean, Ann, um, you've had your flirtations with Trump in the past professionally speaking. Um, what are your thoughts now about Trump? Should he be running again? Is there somebody else you think should be well, actually the Republican nominee? Well, it was more than a flirtation. Uh, after his Mexican rapist speech, I was introducing him at rallies two weeks later. I wrote the book In Trump We Trust. I am an actual 2016 and 2015 Trump supporter. I notice a lot of the people who support Trump now and think, oh, it must be magic. They, they didn't support him in 2015. They were never Trumpers. They didn't understand that it was his issues. It was never his personality. And the analysis that, whoa, he shocked the world in 2016, this is a classic fallacy that people use in the market to predict what a billion people or millions of people are going to do, how they're going to invest. Um, and it's a mistake in politics because something happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. We used to always hear, ooh, the tallest man always becomes president. Yeah, it happens until it doesn't happen. But I'd also say even if the fallacy 
fallacious thinking were true because it happened last time this way, it's going to happen next time this way. No, I'm sorry, that was four times ago. The last three elections, Trump lost and lost big. In 2018, once we saw he wasn't doing anything he said he was going to do when he was campaigning in 2016, he lost 40 House seats. Okay, fine, it's a midterm election. In 2020, there was a red wave across the country, except for Trump. And as you just mentioned, and I'll go through it chapter and verse, it was Trump that absolutely destroyed Republicans in these midterm elections. Yeah, some of the candidates he endorsed won. In so, red so, states, so give me very quickly, they were going before I go to back to anyway, Lord Archer, and he endorsed and them at the last Before I go back to, to Lord Archer, give me, give me one name of a better candidate in your eyes. Well, right, obviously, um, governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. He didn't listen to Fauci. Trump did. Yeah, I mean, look, Lord Archer, if you, if you look at Ron DeSantis, he's almost half Trump's age. He's full of vitality and energy. He's got an amazing uh, CV, you know, Yale, Harvard, a special counsel advisor to the head of SEAL Team 1 or 2 Bright, it was in Fallujah. Wife. I mean, amazing uh, credentials. What do you think of him? I think he's very impressive at the moment. We must remember we're some time away and predictions this early can so often go wrong. I certainly would vote for him at the moment. But what will happen when that debate comes on? What will happen when the real fight starts? Don't underestimate Trump. I think Ron DeSantis would make a brilliant president. Everything I've seen about him, I like. But that doesn't mean he will be there on the final day. I uh, would predict it on your program, uh, Piers, that, uh, that Trump would never become the Republican candidate. Yeah. And when you asked me back, I predicted that he'd never become the president of the United <laughs> States. So it does beg the question, why have I got you back on doing more predictions? totally wrong. <laughs> well, it's very, you know what, Jeffrey, it's very honest of you to admit that, because not many do. I was one of the very few people, actually, in this country who saw the Trump train coming in 2015-16 and predicted yeah. he'd win. Um, yeah. Jason, just come back to you. Has Donald Trump got the stamina and the will to do this again. He's become, come under such tremendous fire. I actually thought the speech when he, when he said he was running again, by his stands, a little bit low energy. Well, he was going to get hit no matter what he did. Either they're going to say he had low energy or they're going to say he was going to election grievances and was too wild and out of control. But I, So I think he found the sweet spot with it. As far as the energy goes, keep in mind, it's not just in a vacuum. He's going against Joe Biden, who comes across as a fossil, a skeleton. He does, best. but he has a surprisingly good midterms. I mean, one of the best midterms. Although, and, although, and what, he, he did. I mean, you can't but, deny but, it. An important point, Republicans got 5 million more votes for congressional candidates. Right, but, but, we won the House back. Right, retired it, was not, it was not a good midterm for the Republicans, given not the state as, of the not as good. Not as good as it What about be. DeSantis? The moment I saw Trump abusing DeSantis and giving him nicknames, I thought he's worried about him. Uh, DeSantis, will be a, he'll be a formidable opponent. He's going to be tough. DeSantis mm. has a good record of governor. There's a problem, I think, for DeSantis in the fact that the establishment is already rallying behind him. Yes. You see the Ken Griffins. You see the Steve Schwartzmans. You see mm. all the globalist CEOs rushing to his defense. Guys, they learned nothing from 2016. They're going to go and get Donald Trump the primary and the well, general that election. Could well, that could well happen. And Coulter, uh, there's a certain football match, or soccer, as you people like to call it, uh, on Friday... England v the US. What's going to happen? Any prediction? Um, my prediction is Americans oh, will continue hating soccer. <laughs>
Jason, prediction from you? I'll be cheering for the U.S. I'm hosting a big World Cup party with Matt Letizia, the greatest of all time. Excited to be with him. I might be the only American who's there cheering for the U.S. team, but it's going to be fun. And even though you might think the U.S. doesn't have a chance, look at Japan, look at Saudi Arabia. This is upset season. Lord Archer, I have a $5,000 bet with Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends in America that England will not just I think, tie, uh, as he I put th- it, so grotesquely, I- it's obviously a draw, but that we will win convincingly. Well, I feel very sorry for your two American guests. They're going to be very lonely that evening because we will win, I don't know, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. They're rubbish. We're the best and we're going to win. Jeffrey, great to see you. Uh, Anne Coulter, always a pleasure. And Jason, good to see you in the studio. Thank you very much indeed. Well, coming next, Oscar-winning actor Cuba Gooding Jr. is disgraced, his reputation in tatters. Now he wants a second chance and he sat down with me for his first television interview to explain why. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Pittsburgh on Censor. The Me Too movement began in Hollywood, sparked a near global reckoning with the unreasonable sexual behavior of so many powerful men. Oscar-winning actor Cuba Gooding Jr. recently faced his comeuppance. He admitted in court that he forcibly touched a woman at a New York club and his career could be over. He believes he deserves a sort of redemption and he sat down with me for an exclusive interview. Uh, First, Kelsey Harbert was his victim. The one thing I was promised in the end was an apology. Despite the harm to me, Cuba Gooding Jr. walks away from the court a free man without a record. It's like it never happened. But can the same thing be said for the women he did this to? Is it like it never happened to me? So the first thing I'll say is what I already did, and I apologize to all my fans, Mm. but the second thing is truth. Truth, Pierce. Mm. There's video footage of it. There was no contact with her breast. That's the truth. Mm. 
the other impact statement of the other girl, I don't know if you're going to read that, she mm -hmm. said, oh, the video footage didn't show him pinching my butt. That was later. That's not true. That's not true. Well, it's an extraordinary interview, uh, and it's the first one he's given since his conviction. It's going to air in full tomorrow night. You can make your own mind up about Cuba Gooding Jr. when you watch it. But joining me now is the superstar women's rights lawyer, Gloria Ulrich. Gloria, great to have you on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Interviewed you many Thank times over the years. Thank you for inviting me. Listen, what do you feel about this? A, what do you feel about Cuba Gooding Jr. doing an interview with me? Well, that's a scoop for you. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I did uh, represent uh, Ms. Harbert, but that was after uh, there was an agreement by the district attorney uh, in Manhattan to allow Mr. Gooding Jr. Uh, to enter a plea of guilty to one victim uh, for forcible touching. But then the condition was that of the plea that if he didn't get arrested for the next six months uh, after the plea, that the forcible touching would be reduced to harassment, which is not a crime uh, in New York. Mm. Should be, but it's not. Uh, and then uh, he, he would have no criminal record whatsoever. This is outrageous, uh, uh, Piers, because there were more than 30 women that contacted uh, the district attorney in New York, many of whom were willing to testify, either as alleged victims or as what we call prior bad act, or they call it New York Molyneux witnesses. Uh, sometimes we call it Me Too witnesses. And the idea that he should leave all of this with no criminal record, I think is a demonstration that with this new district attorney in New York, not the one right. who prosecuted Harvey Weinstein, but a new one, that there are two standards of justice, one for celebrities and one for okay, everyone but let else. Me, all right, That's let me, not right Okay, to have let me a put the standard. other side of this to you, which is that ultimately this is the deal that he was offered and the offence which he pleaded guilty was, I would... I mean, it's not for a man to say this. Maybe you uh, could attest to this either way, but the actual thing that he admitted to on the Me Too scale, seemed at the lower end of sexual assault. He kissed a waitress on the lips, not to diminish in any way what happened, and he admitted to a criminal offence. Um, but he wasn't charged with any other offences. And his argument to me, and I give him quite a hard time in the interview, and his argument is, look, I've admitted my wrongdoing. I went through a very bad period where I was drinking too much, partying too much, and, you know, just doing stupid things in nightclubs. And I wish I hadn't done it. Deep regret. Very sorry. But I want, a, I want a second chance. I guess my question for you, Gloria, is given that that was the only offence he's been convicted of, should he not be entitled to redemption? Have we lost that ability to have people allowed to have redemption? OK, well, redemption is a religious concept. I'm a lawyer. I deal with justice issues. And the idea is that if women have been victimized and if the district attorney believes that that case can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, which was the decision of the prior district attorney, who's no longer the district attorney, and that's why he was charged with three crimes against different women, mm -hmm. uh, three women, one each, uh, then I think there should have been a trial. I think that those 
who were alleged to be victims by the prior DA should have been able to have their day in court at a trial. And then whatever the jury decided, the jury would decide. And if they convicted him, he should face the consequences. He should even face the consequences for the one forcible touching right. that he admitted to well, here's, in court. Here's what and I'd like you to do, now, Gloria. there really are no consequences for him. Well, the consequence can be... Certainly for now, the consequence can be you watch the whole interview when it airs tomorrow, and I get you back on next week, and we discuss what you thought of it. Deal? That's a deal. Absolutely, <laughs> I accept your invitation. I look forward to it. And by the way, I have a civil lawsuit pending against Mr. I know Kevin you do, Jr. and we'll discuss that. On in... behalf of my client. When I get you back, Gloria, we'll discuss Good. that. I, just, I would so love, love to over. get your assessment of the interview once you've watched it. So we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. We'll do it. Thank you. Well, you can watch that full interview with Cuba Gooding Jr., his first interview since his conviction. Here's a look at what's to come. I will not ever let negativity stop the God-given energy that I have. There seemed to just be a pattern of, of claims. He rubbed his groin and pelvis hard against her bottom, put his hand on a woman's buttocks and squeezed it without a picture together, bit a woman on her shoulder twice and thrust his pelvis against her. I don't want anybody to feel that they've been treated inappropriately or harassed by me in any way. Your words are not your words. They're someone else's, and then that becomes the headline. There were a lot of women who came forward who all made claims it just didn't cross your mind that your behaviour was not inappropriate. Well, it's explosive stuff, uh, and you can make your own mind up when you watch it. But next night, I'll get more reaction uh, to what you've just been listening to, uh, my Cuba Gooding Jr. with my pack. That'll be after the break. Welcome back. And with my sizzling pack here, yeah, I want to start with a little clip of Suella Braverman, who is our Home Secretary for the moment, trying to explain her own policy on asylum. We have um, uh, an asylum system and people can put in applications oh. for asylum. How would I do that? Well, you can, um, uh, you can, you can do it uh, through the safe and legal routes that we, we have. What schemes open to me? Well, if you are able to get to the UK, you are able to put in an application for asylum. How could I arrive in the UK if I didn't have permission to get onto an aircraft legally to arrive in the UK? Uh, let me just invite other colleagues if there's anything they want to add. It's staggering. Well, joining me now, Talk TV contributor Esther Cracker, Times political sketch writer Quentin Letts, Daily Mirror associate editor Kevin McGuire, a veritable trifecta of geniuses. Quentin Letts, when you have a Home Secretary who literally has no idea what her own asylum policy is, and she was given this, a, a situation of a 16-year-old girl from Africa seeking asylum from you know, terrible conditions. She had no idea how she could get into the country. She's meant to be a lawyer. Right? Uh, no. Uh, she's meant to more be, worrying. She's meant to be the one who knows, knows a lot after Pretty Patel. Uh, she got caught in a bit of um, hypothetical spaghetti uh, today. It wasn't that difficult, the spaghetti. It, but it was a hypothetical. Correct. And uh, if you're a minister... Uh, when somebody puts up a hypothetical, you say, I don't do hypotheticals, because you get lost in this <laughs> yeah, spaghetti, and that's what happened to her today. I don't think she's covered herself in glory, but I don't suppose it's going to uh, worry the Conservatives that much, because... Well, well, no, well, I, I don't... Josh, no, I, no, 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 no
the less Labour will want to talk about it. I mean, they, they just shut right. up. We'll I, think, Kevin and make. I think it should, because the migrant crisis is obviously worrying. It's a big issue for most people, including Conservatives. I think she should have been... Because she's not very politically intelligent, she obviously didn't know how to brush off the question, but she should have said they can apply through the safe and legal route, and I admit we don't have enough of those, because now, at the moment, you can only go to the UN right. it wasn't. Here's my point. It wasn't a difficult question, Gary. Exactly. No. But she was literally like a rabbit in headlights, yeah. unable to answer a simple question. And it was a question from a Conservative MP, yes. Tim Lowton. Look. So Ella Braverman will be out of a depth in that glass of water. <laughs> and that's why she won't be able to solve the crisis. And she, <laughs> right, she knows the boat people will keep on coming if there is no safe and legal mm. route for those who are deemed to be asylum seekers, yep. refugees, when they're here. She won't stop the, the sailings unless she allows them to claim on the other side of the channel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they've got a clue what they're doing. Uh, Tory MP Gareth Johnson, uh, Quentin, represents Dartford, has suggested the Just Stop Oil protesters should be classified as terrorists. <laughs> Let's listen to this. These people are not protesters, they are criminals. Yeah! Will the Prime Minister, therefore, consider making Just Stop Oil a prescribed organisation so that they can be treated as the criminal organisation they actually are. Uh, completely lunatic over the top. Uh, uh, prescription is reserved for terrorist groups. Uh, you get uh, as much as uh, 14 years in prison uh, for belonging to a proscribed group. I can understand that he is cross about these just stop our people. With them. Everyone cross them. But you don't... I mean, that's what you, you reserve for really bad terrorists. But is it, is it only terrorism if it's Islamic, Islamist terrorism? That's uh, the no, thing, no, because far right by the actual well, legal but, definition, uh, what they're doing is terrorism. No, they're terrorising the public and they're, they're, they're putting people's they're lives in danger. Well, I would say they're more the paralysing the yeah. public. Yeah. They're not terrorising so they, they, them. No, I mean, no, the distinction. He's a solicitor as well. I mean, there seem to be quite a few of them not engaging their brains properly. There is specific legislation against terrorists, whether it's the Islamic State, national action of far-right group, IRA, back in the day, whoever it is. They kill and they maim. These people are a nuisance. They protest. They break the law sometimes, un unquestionably. They can be tried. But you want to deal with them. The police need I to mean, get harder with them. For right. instance, if they're on a gantry, keep the cars let me, flowing. Let me, I want to get a prediction from the three of you. Uh, and it's this. I sat next to Sakir Starmer last night at a uh, award show. The Suns, uh, who, dare, who cares, wins. Is there any way... Labour don't win the next election, very quickly. Uh, very unlikely. Uh, I think we were at one of those moments, like 1992 after Black Wednesday. No, I think he's... But he's not complacent. That's what you will have That's found That's what he out. said to me, yeah. Quentin. Uh, I think he is still beatable, he himself. Yeah. Because... He, well, in the Commons today, he was completely outsmarted mm -hmm. by Rishi Sunak. Sunak looks younger and sparkier and snappier. And Sunak is the most capable opponent he's yeah. faced, I, I think, think, in I a think while. I think we're looking at a hung parliament or a Conservative very slim majority. Interesting. Well, he certainly thinks complacency is the enemy, so that is in his credit. Thank you, Pat. Yeah. We're terrific. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. Good night. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.